Welcome to the Little Victorian Boy podcast. I'm TikTok storyteller, Little Victorian Boy. This month's podcast was inspired by suggestions from my Patreon members. If you'd like to be a part of the creative process here at Little Victorian Boy Industries, donate any amount of money, even a dollar, to my Patreon at patreon.com slash littlevictorianboy, and you can make suggestions for next month's podcast, as well as get a bonus monthly podcast. Isn't that exciting? It's very exciting, I think. But this month's podcast has already been recorded, and it is entitled The Sea. Enjoy. It was my last day of class before the summer of my junior year at George Western University. I was studying creative writing with a minor in couponing, and Professor Toomer was giving his last lecture of the semester. If you haven't written a masterpiece by the time you've left college... You might as well get your real estate license and marry a woman with brown hair, he said while slurping a mug full of gravy. He was the kind of professor who loved his eccentricities. He drank gravy, he only wore rubber pants, and sometimes he would just walk around the class menacing students with a knife. He was everyone's favorite, the cool professor. Some of us would meet with him after hours, sip lukewarm gravy, and just listen to him talk about his past working in the salt mines of Lithuania, turning tricks on the streets of Belarus, and one time he saw Walter Matthau on a bus. I usually loved his lectures, but this last one filled me with a sense of dread. I hadn't written my masterpiece, and I only had a year left. I had just turned 21, after all. I liked brown hair, so that didn't seem so bad, but ever since I was a boy, I had a deathly fear of yard signs, so I definitely didn't want to be a real estate agent. I raised my hand. Uh, um, Professor, what should I write my masterpiece about? He paused and stared at the ground for a few seconds. The sea. All masterpieces are written about the sea. Then he pulled a knife out of his rubber pants and just kind of showed it to me. The sea. That's it. I'll write my masterpiece about the sea. Only one problem. I didn't know anything about the sea. So I left school and went straight to the harbor. I had heard that captains were in need of greenhorn deckhands, but every captain I spoke to said my rope allergy was a deal-breaker. I sat down on a large wooden spool, feeling dejected. I'd never write my masterpiece if I couldn't get a job on a ship. I've got a job for ye. I looked up, and I saw a seagull staring at me. A talking seagull, I said? No, over here. I looked to the left, and there was an old grizzled man with long gray hair, an eye patch, and a wooden leg. Just a real man-of-the-sea kind of vibe. Oh, I thought you were a seagull. I, I apologize. Me mother was a ventriloquist, and sometimes I throw me voice when I'm not intending to. Anyway, you look like a greenhorn deckhand in need of a ship for working upon. How did you know? You can tell a lot about a man by the way he sits and what chair he chooses. And you, sir, be sitting on a spool. Now, I've got a job on me vessel, if you're interested. Yeah, that'd be great, but I have to warn you. I have a severe rope allergy. Aye, you won't be touching no ropes upon me ship. I just need ye to man the tiller while I do the fishing. It was perfect. I signed the commission with Captain Cork, that was his name, and he told me to meet him at the docks the next morning at dawn. Oh, and one more thing. Oh, and one more thing. If you want to be sitting on this voyage, best be bringing your own chair, because I've only got the one. I showed up at dawn holding me chair, but it wasn't so much a chair as an exercise ball. I bought it my freshman year. The ad said it would give me abs. Uh, It didn't. 
That's your chair, said the captain. Uh, yeah, what does it say about me? Says you've never been on a ship before. He was right. The exercise ball made for a terrible ship chair. Every wave sent it rolling in a different direction. It was next to impossible to sit comfortably on, and when you weren't sitting on it, it bounced around and knocked stuff off the walls. As we sailed out of the harbor, I noticed that all the other fishing boats went in a different direction. They be after tuna and cod, but we be after something far more important, me boy. He never said what it was. Anytime I asked, he would just clumsily change the subject to pop culture gossip. Hey, did you see what Kanye West did at the MTV Music Video Awards? Um, no. Is that important to you? Aye, it is. It is. On the second morning, I woke up to the captain standing over me, smiling. We're here, boyo. We're here. I got up, looked around, and there was nothing but open ocean in all directions. The captain started dropping fishing lines into the water, and he handed me a broken compass that just spun in circles. Start trolling while I man the rods. When the compass finds true north, we've gone too far. Turn her back around. I went to the tiller, and about every hour the compass would stop spinning, and I'd turn back, making endless figure eights while the captain watched his rods for the slightest movement. We didn't catch anything on the first day, and the second day neither. I was beginning to lose hope that I'd ever write my masterpiece. As far as I could tell, the sea was, uh, was pretty boring. But then, on the third day, one of the rods started twitching. We had something on the line. Aye, there you are, screamed the captain as he grabbed the rod and began reeling in whatever it is he had caught. Come, boyo, grab the net. He's almost here. I grabbed the net off the wall and went to the edge of the ship, eager to see what we had been searching for all this time. I looked down into the water and saw a flash of red, then a flash of green, then a cloud of black. He thinks he can play tricks, he does. Quickly now, drop the net into the ink he be hiding in. I swept the net through the ink and scooped up a tiny octopus. I knew I'd find you again, said the captain as he grabbed the octopus out of the net and began strangling it. Now, there are very few things more pointless than choking an octopus. For one, they don't really have a neck, and secondly, they don't breathe air. This didn't stop the captain, of course. Tell me where he is or you'll never see the sea again, screamed the captain. The octopus just stared back at him blankly. Boyo! Bring me a jar of seawater. I grabbed a jar from inside the cabin, filled it with water, and handed it to the captain. He shoved the octopus inside and closed the lid. I don't get it, I said. We spent all this time fishing for one octopus? Not just an octopus, me boy. A guide. Now take him to the helm. I set the octopus on a stack of People magazines next to the tiller. He'll point the way, boyo, with one of his accursed tentacles, said the captain as he assembled a much larger rod. I looked down at the octopus, and sure enough, one of its tentacles was pointing slightly to the left. I turned the ship, and as I did, the tentacle straightened out. I followed the octopus all day and late into the night. The captain sat by his rod and stared out at the sea behind us. It's getting late. Uh, should we call it a night? No, we mustn't stop. If we do, we'll never catch up to him. I didn't know what he meant by him, but we continued all through the night, and late into the second day, I, well, it's embarrassing to say this, I began to lose my mind. Me too, pal. What? Who, who said that? Down here! The octopus was staring up at me. I'm tired too. This isn't real. You, you can't be talking to me. I, I must be going crazy. You're not crazy, and neither am I. The crazy one is back there. I looked back at the captain. 
He was rocking back and forth and muttering some old sea shanty to himself. Did he even tell you what he was after? No. What, what is he after? The marmist. The what? The marmist. The great coelacanth. What's that? It's an ancient fish. An armored behemoth. Neptune's favorite son. This old fool thinks he can catch him and get Neptune to grant him a wish in exchange for the marmist's life. And you know where this marmus is? I, I do. But you don't want to meet him. I mean, geez, he's a real angry bastard. He'll swallow us all, I'm telling you. I looked back at the captain. He was drinking a tall glass of water. Come on, kid, just let me out. We can all go home. Doesn't that sound nice? I thought about it for a minute before a hand grabbed my shoulder. It was the captain. How are you doing, boyo? I'm, I'm really tired. I, I, I think I'm losing it here. Could we just stop for a little bit? I just need to rest my eyes. Stop! No, we can't stop now, not till we find him. The marmus? Yeah. The captain grabbed me by the throat. Unlike the octopus, I could be choked. How do you know that name? If you're trying to steal me wish, I'll kill you. I'll kill ya. No, no, I, I, I'm not. I, I swear. The captain glared down at the octopus for a moment. That released me. You keep steering this ship, boyo. And if you stop, I'll kill you. The captain grabbed a bottle of whiskey and walked back to his seat. My throat hurt, but not as much as my pride. I felt a primal rage building inside of me. I hated him. The old fool, chasing after some fish, working me to the bone. Now he threatens to kill me. So, you see what Kanye West did at the uh, MTV Music Video Awards? What did you say? I looked down at the octopus. Kanye West, he, he interrupted Taylor Swift. Actually, I was just trying to break the tension. That got super awkward. You. I turned towards the captain. You're doing this. What's that, boyo? I can't hear you from back here. I grabbed the harpoon gun off the wall. You're doing this, aren't you? You're throwing your voice, making me think there's a talking octopus and a magical fish, but it's been you all along driving me insane. The captain turned, saw me standing there, pointing the business end of a harpoon at his last remaining eye. Easy now. I don't know what the octopus has been telling you, but it's all lies. That's your game, isn't it? You find some desperate soul on the docks, take him out into the ocean, and then deprive him of sleep until he goes insane. And then, and then what? And then you murder him, don't you? You murder him and you do weird stuff to the body. No, boyo! Just put the harpoon gun down. We're close, very close. And when I catch the marmus, there's no marmus! There's nothing out here but death and madness, and I choose madness! And just as I squeezed the trigger of the harpoon, the immense rod bowed over, pulling the stern of the boat downwards. The harpoon fired over the top of the captain's head. The jar with the octopus fell off the people magazines, rolled down, and smashed at the back railing. The octopus went flying overboard. See ya, suckers, it said before disappearing into the sea. The marmus! It's the marmus! screamed the captain, and I watched an enormous armored head breached the surface. It had to be 50 feet wide and looked as though it were made of stone. The marmus stared at us with its emerald green eye, then dove, spiraling downwards. The line spun uncontrollably. You have to cut the line, I screamed. No, it's me last chance. You fool, you fool, you'll kill us both. I grabbed the machete and tried to cut the line myself, but before I could, the captain bashed me over the head with his wooden leg. The machete flew out of my hand and into the ocean. I laid there, dazed 
dazed from the hit, watching blood stream out onto the deck. I looked up and saw the captain standing over me. He had a murderous look in his eye, and he was holding his wooden leg like a club over his head, about to bring it down, crushing my skull. But in that moment, the line ran out. The rod stepped in half. The prow of the ship reared up towards the sky, and everything in the cabin not nailed down came flying towards us, and in an instant, we were under. I tumbled through the icy water, struggling to orient myself. I opened my eyes and saw the blurry silhouette of the ship racing into the depths. Then I saw something rising up towards me. A bubble? No, a ball. I grabbed onto my exercise ball and I rode that buoyant promiser of abs to the surface. I gasped for air and looked around for any signs of the captain, but all that floated up to the surface was his wooden leg. I clung to the exercise ball, but it was slippery. I knew I wouldn't have long. Soon my strength would give out, and I'd surrender to the sea. But then I heard a sound, a beautiful sound, the sound of my salvation propellers cutting through the air. I looked up and contrasted against the pale blue sky were the cherry red wings of a biplane. And that is the story of how I met Guillaume Mezzanine, the bush pilot. We'd have a hell of a lot more adventures after that, me and Guillaume. But I never did write that masterpiece. Or graduate from George Western. I should do that. Well, that's the story of the sea. I hope you enjoyed it. It was inspired by suggestions from my Patreon members. If you'd like to see what those suggestions were, or make suggestions for next month's podcast, Go donate to my Patreon as little as a dollar, patreon.com slash littlevictorianboy, and help keep me off the streets. You don't want to see this little boy on the streets, do you? No, you don't. No, you don't. Anyway, you can get a bonus monthly podcast with the Patreon membership, as well as secret TikToks that I never released, and uh, more stuff in the future. Anyway, that is all. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story next month, I promise. Goodbye. <laughs>